Welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica, and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually, these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend. But on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Hey friends, if you're a regular listener, welcome back. And if you're a new listener, we are so thrilled you pressed play on this episode. We are here in season two, talking all things missions, but our first 36 episodes are also still available and they cover a wide range of topics, everything from mental health, grief and lament, to walking by faith and women in ministry. We talked about sex, divorce, addiction, pornography, and that's just naming a handful of episodes in what we are now referring to as season one. If you missed any of those, I hope you'll go give them a listen. I know you're going to find at least a few that get you thinking, spark a conversation, and let you know you aren't alone. Today's interview was a special one. One of my favorite things about this podcast is it gives me an excuse to overcome my natural shyness, I guess, and call up people I don't know or don't know very well, people I just really want to talk to, and I get to do that and have a conversation with them. This guest was one of those people. From the moment I met her, I knew I could probably sit and talk to her for hours if given the chance. And let me tell you, we had to rein ourselves way in to keep this conversation within a reasonable time frame for this episode. This interview is also unusual in that today's guest is choosing to remain anonymous. She asked us to just call her Kay, which we were happy to do. And though we may not share her name, I know you will have no trouble hearing her burden and feeling her passion for the work God has called her to do. This one is just special, friends. There's no other word for it. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Today on the podcast, I'm so excited that we have a very special guest and we are going to call her Kay. We're excited to have you here with us today. Can you just introduce yourself as much as you're able to? Tell us a little bit about your background and who you are, where you're from, what you're about. Hey, Jessica, it is so good to be here. I'm so excited about this. I've been looking forward to it for, I don't know, since since we set it up. And my name is Kay. Um, I grew up in the South and I recently moved to the Midwest where I found my husband. Mm. Uh, so that, that was a great find. <laughs> <laughs> I found a ton of differences in culture. Um, I I was raised in the in the, the rural South, and so it was close in the Bible Belt and um, all that that implies. And now we have moved to the Midwest, where we're a part of a great church here, and um, it's just it's it's a great place. It's so different from the South, um, but it really is a great place. I didn't know. Maybe you knew this. But they eat mashed potatoes and noodles up here. What? Have you ever heard of that? No. Yes. I didn't know about it either. And I was like, guys, this is the wrong voodoo. Like, this is not the right. Like, this is not <laughs> good stuff. I'm, I'm very it, confused. Yeah. It's like, I'm very confused as well. It's like the Thanksgiving thing. 
I I love my family very much. Love my husband very much. We just got married this year. Um, we have one golden doodle that they told me would be 15 pounds, but she is 55 pounds. Oh, no. And yes, and she is the best monster. She's wonderful. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a brief snapshot. Um, I'm, I'm loving the Midwest. It's a great time. It's really cold. I get to see all four seasons. And we're just kind of waiting for some snow to get on the ground. It's been a weird weather year. Yeah. That's so funny. Like, talking about the Midwest and the South makes me smile because I'm from Oklahoma. We don't know what uh-huh. we are. We don't really fit <laughs> anything. Like, the South won't claim us, but we're not really the Midwest either. Right. And so I always laugh when you see, like, the memes come across. They're like, only Southerners will understand, and then only Midwesterners will understand. <laughs> and most of them, like, I can relate to all of it. So, yeah, we, right. we're, we're very confused here in Oklahoma. We don't know who we are or where we belong, but, you know. It, it works out. It does work out. We do not put mashed potatoes and noodles together. I'll tell you that much. So, Nor should you. <laughs> Nor should you, Jessica. Oh, my word. Oh, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be... this and figure out like what exactly is going on with this situation. No, you do need to Google it. Um, you do. Like, okay, I'm sorry. I, I, we're already off track. I apologize. <laughs> but for Thanksgiving this year, my mom made such a bold move. I'm so proud of her. She she catered in Thanksgiving. She didn't oh, cook praise a the thing. Lord. Can you believe that? She is like blazing a trail for women all over the place. <laughs> and she catered in from this local uh, place here. And it's it's a phenomenal place. And it's got it's kind of got that Southern flair. Um, in the food and in the in the cuisine, and so we really love it. We we try to go every weekend whenever we're in town. So we got it. We opened up our plates, and it's like got all the stuff. You know, it's got turkey and and green beans and all the, and then it's got mashed potatoes and noodles, like just all right there. And I was just like something in me and you know all day you're trying to be really thankful right you're not like no negativity all positivity and something in me was like something has gone terribly wrong like something something has happened that has gone terribly wrong anyway it's a practical joke exactly like where the tv crew come out come out wherever you are (laughs) oh that's awesome Oh, wow. The things that you've been challenged by in your life and who would have thought noodles. Exactly. And <laughs> mashed potatoes. Uh, exactly. Uh, that's funny. Well, <laughs> speaking of challenges, we have you on the podcast today for lots of reasons. And there's lots of things we could talk about. I'm sure that we could end up with like a whole podcast a whole podcast like of our own, just us talking to each other. I just have a feeling that hey, could happen. I'm open to that. But I'm open to that. <laughs> the reason that I had you come on to good question today is because in our second season, we are doing a missions focus and your missions story and journey is very unique in that you are called to minister in access challenge nations. And so I want you to tell us a little bit about the call into Access Challenge Nations and what that actually entails. Um, Yeah, so just wherever you want to start with that. Okay. Um, My journey with that has been a little different. A lot of people have stories. And by the way, I'm no respecter of story. Everyone's story is your own on it. But my story is a little different as far as sometimes you only hear about the times where uh, people will be in prayer or they'll be at the altar 
and someone trusted will come up and have an encouraging word for them or a word from God that will say, I feel like you're called to be a missionary or I feel like you're called to a certain place. Or some people have dreams of certain nations and and they hear audible voices from the Lord. And there's there's different things. Everyone's story is different. And I'm I love all of them. I love all of them. But I I personally had a very unique experience with it because I didn't necessarily feel called to be a missionary. I just felt called to be available. Mm. And um, I I just will never forget. I was I was afforded some opportunities to go on mission trips earlier, like with my family and, and with my church that I was raised in. I had a lot of exposure to a lot of different regions of the world, places, and I loved it. And I knew that I wanted to devote some of my life to being missionary, but I didn't know what I wanted to do with all of my life. I was just kind of taking it step by step. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with the Philippines. I fell in love with Asia. I. I really loved uh, Europe, um, some places that you and I mutually love, Jessica. Mm-hmm. I, I fell in love with with some of those places, but I never quite fell in love with the Middle East because I was never really exposed to it. Because all we see on CNN, you know, in the news networks is that it's it's a dangerous place. And mm-hmm. if the country ends in S-T-A-N, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's full of danger, you know, and, and, and all of this. And um, I... I, I didn't really wake up to anything to that really had anything to do with the Middle East until I was presented with an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And uh, the team that I'm a part of is the Access Challenge Nations team. And the leaders of that team approached me. It was a crazy uh, uh, happening whenever we met up. Uh, the, the wife of this team she was asking me for some advice about um, young people in America because she had been so far removed really from the culture. And I was, I was a student pastor at that time. And so I was just kind of talking to her and then one thing led to another. And she presented me with this opportunity of like, Hey, we're going to go explore some of these nations that, that we that never heard of the gospel. We don't have any contacts there. And I was like, that, that it sounds amazing. Like, where do I sign up? And she's like, are you serious? And so, so it just kind of led into, into one thing led into another and they presented me with an opportunity to go. They were going into a country for the first time and they wanted me to come and just help them pray. And so I said, I can do that. You know, yeah. um, as far as, as far as preparation, I know we might be skipping ahead a little bit, as far as preparation, I had zero preparation. I didn't know Arabic. I didn't even know the difference between Allah and Muhammad. I didn't know <laughs> anything. I didn't know anything. Like a simple Google search would have helped me so much, <laughs> right? Like I knew absolutely nothing, but I read this book. They recommended a book to me and I read it before I went. It's called The Insanity of God by Nick Ripkin. And I, if you want to link that in your show mm-hmm. notes later, it it is the most amazing book, and it really, really started me off on this journey of of expanding my faith and expanding my thinking. And so I, I went on this this trip, and um, it wasn't just to one specific nation. It was into about, so I think, three. We, we hit about three of them in the Middle East, and Jessica, I fell in love with the Muslim people. I mm-hmm. fell in love with the Middle East. They are, contrary to popular belief, they are a very peaceful people. They are the kindest people. Hospitality runs in their veins. Um, it's it is just they are some of the most stunning, kind people I have ever met, and they represent 1.8 billion 
of us in the population, billion wow. with a B. Mm-hmm. And I just, I feel like we would be doing ourselves a massive disservice as Christians to not engage with that culture and it, and at least learn from them and try to unite with them under the blood of Jesus. They're just, they're, they are amazing, amazing people. And so uh, one thing that, that really, really stuck out to me was, you know, I didn't know Arabic. I, I didn't know a ton about Islam, which Islam is an incredibly complex religion. Uh, you could spend your entire life, you know, trying to learn about it and you might not even scratch the surface uh, of it. And that's that's fine. That, that shouldn't dishearten anyone. It just should show the beautiful complexity of the religion um, and of the culture that, that surrounds it. But I, I looked at all of this and I looked at the very short list of workers or representatives that we have in that region and are, are trying to reach these nations at all. Like there, there were at least 29 nations that had not been touched. Mm. And I just looked at that and I, I, I started praying and asking God, like, what is my responsibility when it concerns this? Like, no, I don't know Arabic. No, I, I don't know everything there is to know about Islam, but what is, what is my responsibility from you, Lord? to do about this because yes, I can pray and yes, I can activate others to pray, but I know that I can do more. Mm. And so that's, that's, it was a one step at a time thing, you know, the Lord didn't just unfold this plan. He kind of just shined a light on one step ahead Mm. and said, take this step and then we'll see what's there. And then after I completed that step, he would shine a light on the next step. And sometimes you could play hopscotch a little bit, you know, he would illuminate like three or four at a time. But most of the time, it was just one at a time. Hmm. And um, and that's that's how I got involved with Access Challenge Nations. All these, twi- it's an ever-growing list, really. It's um, 29 to 31-ish nations that, that are Access Challenge. That means that it's, it's very difficult to get in there with, whether it be a persecution issue or a visa issue, um, open hostility to the gospel, no known apostolic presence things like that. Um, and that's changing, especially in COVID times, you know, open mm. and closed nations, like that's changing a lot. But, um, but that's, that's about the average, that 29 to 31 number. And um, I just, I, I just feel called to to try and open those nations up as, as much as we can, or to activate interest to send workers to go and, and love these people. Huh. I love, I love that um, posture of saying, First of all, I'm just available. And second of all, what is my responsibility? Because I know I can do more. I think a lot of times we like settle for, especially like, especially as we get older and maybe Mm -hmm. we're married, maybe we have some kids. We kind of just, I know this has happened for me. We just kind of settle into what is the routine and we don't stop to think about the fact that we could do more. Right. Until it's presented to us in a way that we can't ignore it. And so I just I think that's such a such a good thing for people to keep in mind um, to approach all calling from God as just what is my responsibility and what more can I reasonably do? Right. Because it just feel like when we think about it, nobody wakes up and they're a good Christian. Right. Um, you know, like like none of us wake up and you're automatically great at being a Christian. You can be a seasoned Christian. You know, you can, you can be someone that's very seasoned and trying and doing your best and positioning yourself, but no one, like nobody wakes up and they're just naturally the best or great at anything. You know, no one, 
no one wakes up like that. And so and yeah. I had to look at this and I kept looking at, you know, oh, well, God, I'm I'm not good at this. I'm not, a, I don't know if I'd be a good missionary. I don't know if I'd be good at the, it's, it's not about, it's not about what you're good at or what you even have really to offer. It's about what you're allowing God to do in you and through you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Recently we were on a call, um, with the church in Denmark, which is where we're headed as aimers and, um, Pastor Chris over there, he said, you know, he said, I know that there are probably better people who could be uh, the pastor here in, yeah. in Denmark. There are more spiritual people. Um, there are, you know, more educated people. But he said, he said, but they're not here. I am. Right, <laughs> right, so I'm the one that's right. here and I'm the one that's doing it. And I think it's just such a freeing mindset because we put so much pressure on ourselves. And right. uh Yesterday I was, I interviewed, um, brother Corey BB, uh, missionary to Andorra. And he said that when he was young, he felt like, uh, missions was for super Christians and that he wasn't a super Christian. And I think it's just, again, we have to dismantle this mindset and to remember that we're all called to do something. Right. Yeah. I love it. I really love that. So I guess I have questions kind of about the logistics of what you guys do. Okay. You're personally, at least not, I want to say stationed, but that's a military term, <laughs> uh, in a specific yeah, yeah. country. So you take short-term trips. Is that how that works? Like um, into certain places to try to, to reach people with the gospel or as much as you yes. can share, like, how does that, how does that work logistically? Yeah, sure. So um, there are people that are stationed. I'll, I'll use that <laughs> term uh, long-term. We call them career missionaries, and so mm-hmm. they're there for four years, about, you know, depending on the term or depending on what's going on. We don't really have a certain term for some of the things that I do and some of the others. We kind of created our own, uh, under under submission, obviously, but we kind of created, like, our own situation. I think it would be under the um, the guise, I guess, of, of an associated minister. Mm-hmm. It's it's different than then an international evangelist really, um, but it's someone that we can we can raise funds to go on short term trips. The majority of what I do is uh, we we take this list of of these twenty nine to thirty one nations, and we will plan trips in into these nations or trips around into what we call gateway nations that are positioned around some of these nations. Mm. And we will try to get into the gateway nations and see if we can get into the actual nations. Mm. Um, sometimes we can, sometimes we can't. But every nation that we go into, we we do prayer walks and we pray. And a lot of people, um, they expect us to come back with glowing reports mm. of how many we baptized or how many received the Holy Ghost or how many people we witnessed to. And most of our reports are, they greatly mirror Caleb and Joshua's report. And it's like, hey, this seems really bad, but we can take this land. Like, mm. We can do this. Like we did a lot of research and we can take this land. We just got to go back in. Mm. And so so we do a lot of prayer. We, we call them prayer trips. Um, sometimes, other times there is some established presence, maybe underground. And we will go in and we'll encourage the church there. Mm. Uh, we'll teach, speak. Um, eat fellowship a lot with them. Um, a lot of a lot of these believers, a lot of these underground believers, are risking more than we can really comprehend, and they just need encouraged. Mm-hmm. 
the roles are really reversed. I mean, we're learning more from them, I am positive, than they are learning from us. And so where we can encourage them, that we will, we, we, we take that. So that's kind of what I do. <laughs> one, someone referred to me one time as the moving target. And I was like, I don't really know how I feel about that. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but we go back and forth. There's a team of us that does that. Some of them are temporary missionaries like aimers um, for, for a certain time frame. Some of them are aimers that are just working in the United States and they're just building their accounts and their funds back up so that they can go over for longer periods of time. But as far as what I do, I go in and out. I'm usually gone probably between two and four weeks at a time. So, wow. So, were you doing this as a single woman before you were married? Yes, I was. Okay. And then is your husband joining you in this or how did he feel about this whenever you guys started talking about marriage? Okay. I cannot stress to you enough that I married the best man on the planet. Okay. I just. <laughs> have to tell you that. Um, it was so crazy. I love that you asked that question because I love talking about this. Um, <laughs> on our on our first date, well, we argue about which which date was the first date, but like our first coffee date, we're like, we sat in the coffee shop for four hours and then shut it down. You know, <laughs> people were like, excuse me, it's time for you guys to leave. <laughs> I just laid it out for him. And because I knew that there was a lot of potential there, like I could just feel that initially. And so I was like, hey, um, a lot of people have some problems with women speaking. This is my life. Like, do you have a problem with that? And then I said, you know, I personally feel called to love people that the majority of America hates. And they're very prejudiced and racist against like, how do you feel about this? And he just looked at me and he was just like, I love that God has asked you to do this. Who am I to stand in the way of what God has asked you to do? And that was one of the moments I was just like, check, please. Like, <laughs> let's get this show on the road because yeah, he has, he's been totally for it. Um, he will, he will join me um, whenever his schedule permits. That's so cool. I love that. I love how God puts us together with people that are, are going to compliment us and, yes. and support us in our ministries. Um, I think that's that's fantastic. You said something there, though, that I need us to, to press into a little bit. Okay. You said that you told him that you're called to love people that the majority of America is prejudiced and racist against. And I have found it to be so interesting in recent years to see the, see the contrast of how we as Americans, even Americans in the church, sadly, talk so 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 much Christian ease about reaching the lost in nations around the world. And at the same time, we can harbor these attitudes and feelings towards people who are different than us here in our home country that are not the same loving and reaching kinds of attitudes. Can you talk about that a little bit? How much time do we have to talk about that? <laughs> like I said, we can start our own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word. Oh man. You know, oh man, where do I even where do I even start? I find it, and this is personal. So like for anyone listening, this does not reflect on Jessica, this reflects on her anonymous friend. I personally find it incredibly disturbing that so many Christians that is supposed to be, they're supposed to be a light in a dark world, only have friends that look like them, talk like them, 
dress like them, vote like them, and they surround themselves with people that only agree with every part of their life. That is a very narrow and closed island that I don't feel that God ever intended for us to be as a people. Yeah. And I am purposing, I'm on a journey right now. I'm purposing in my life to have friends that don't look like me, that don't talk like me, that don't vote like me, that don't see the world in the same way that I see it. Because I want a well-balanced and a, a, a very big, I don't even know the word. I, I want a variety of God's kingdom. I don't want just my my narrow filter of God's kingdom. Uh-huh. And I truly believe when it comes to the heart of prejudice and racism that we somehow, if we harbor that in our hearts, we truly believe that God doesn't love everyone like he loves us. Uh-huh. And that uh, that is just not the thing. Yeah. For lack of better words, that that is that is just not the Great Commission. That is just not everything that Jesus came and did. And even Muslims believe that that Jesus wasn't like that. They believe that Jesus was an amazing teacher and that he was a prophet that walked on this earth and that and that he loved everyone. It could it be that even most Muslims have have a greater understanding of God's love than we do, and there is a a a fine line I I believe in being proud of your country and then this Christian nationalism, and I know that this is like a, a slippery slope of, of talking about <laughs> yeah. it. I, I I know that it is it's it, it's a super hot topic, but but I mean even the disciples like. Even even the apostles, they looked at, at their at their government and then they said, We respect you. We do. We render to Caesar what Caesar's, but we ought to obey God rather than man. Yeah. They, you know, they they looked and they had this view of like God and the government are not the same thing. Like as far as like the American government, if they had a kingdom perspective. Mm-hmm. And the kingdom is not a democracy. And the kingdom, like September eleventh, two thousand and one, that was a horrific thing. But as you know from Oklahoma, the bombing was also a horrific thing. Yeah. And we we cannot ostracize one ethnicity or one culture over another. And the kingdom of God was not affected by that. The kingdom of God still moves. Yeah. And we belong to the kingdom of God. Am I am I am I going too far? No, you're not. There? I think I think it's so important because because what I think is that we don't even realize how entrenched we become. Right. I think that as Americans specifically, and this podcast is not only listened to in America, but the majority of our audience is in the American church. And so I think it's just so important that we have to peel back the the blinders on our eyes and to really, really look at what we believe about our nation and our faith and how our patriotism and our and our beliefs as Christians have gotten so intertwined in ways that are unhealthy and wrong and yes. that they, they they make us twist the gospel to fit yes our history and our and our and our culture versus <laughs> letting the spirit like influence us i don't know i i'm so passionate about this that i can't even <laughs> i can't even form coherent sentences but it's so important it's it's so important it is so important i i teach um some of our students here at our local church 
And we had a heated, 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 open family discussion, um, probably maybe a couple of months ago, where I posed the question to them. Um, I said, okay, okay, guys, I, I want you to tell me, who do you think that I voted for? Who do you, who do you think that I voted for? And they all had an argument. And it was it was healthy. I was just proving a point, and they knew I was proving a point. I wasn't setting them up for failure. And I asked, them, "Who do you think that I voted for?" And that they couldn't answer. And they were like, "I don't know. I don't know." And it got so heated in that room because they finally looked at me and they said, "Well, if you voted for this person, I wouldn't be able to to listen to you preach the same. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to listen to you teach the same." And then the other side was saying, "Well, if you voted for this person, I don't know if if I would be able to listen to you teach and preach the same." And I. I I showed them, I said, guys, and I never, I wound up never telling them who, who I voted for because that wasn't the point. Yeah. Okay. The point, the point was the fact right there that you have let your politics get in the way of hearing the word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Like you, you have, you have positioned your politics and you have positioned your preference your filter or your view of safety or your rights. You have mm. you have put your rights and your American democracy over your kingdom responsibility. Mm. You have you have put that over that. That is a dangerous, dangerous place to be. And I, and I told them, I said, I have Muslim friends that watch my social media. I have Muslim friends that will not sit down with me until they know who I voted for. I have to remain in a neutral place because I love them because God has not released me from the mandate of loving these people. Yeah. You know, and a political argument to me is never going to be more important than their salvation ever, ever. It's not. No, I, I'm, I'm so thankful that we got to, to kind of veer off into this because it's, um, like I said, it's a passion of mine. And I think that people, we, we have to hear it. And until, like it's one of those things that you don't know it until you know it. You don't realize right, the water right. you're swimming in, you know, because you're you're the fish that's been there your whole life and you don't <laughs> you know, you don't realize that you're even right. in water until someone points yeah. it out. And so yeah, I think it's I think it's really important that we get that perspective um that says you know, our church when you walk in the back um of our sanctuary, our church is mission statement is is printed in large letters on the wall and it says the will of God at any cost. And yes. the kingdom has to be more important like than anything. And and right. that's more important than than my American citizenship. That's more important than my um you know than anything at all that I can claim as right. my heritage or my um identity. Uh, the kingdom has to be at the top. And so I think it's, I think it's good. Thank you for, thank you for having that, that discussion with me because I think it's going to open somebody's eyes. I believe it when they hear this. Thank you for not canceling me and letting me say it. <laughs> well, it's easy to not cancel you when you're anonymous. <laughs> this is so true. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing you. All right. So back on track here. Let's see. So you mentioned that whenever you went the first time or when you first started getting into this, that you didn't do any kind of preparation (laughs) for your team as a whole. Do you guys do any kind of special trainings as far as I know? I know as Americans, we think like this is the most dangerous thing we can think about doing in ministry. And so as a mom, you know what I'm saying? Like thinking about my kids when they're older, like if, if someone is feeling like, yes, Lord, this is something that 
I can take some responsibility and this is something that I can do. What kind of preparation would you recommend that people do uh, when they're getting ready to go into these kind of countries? So I, I'll recommend everything that I wish I would have done. Mm. Is that okay? Yeah, for sure. If I, okay. Um, Arabic is a whole commitment. (laughs) It's, It's an entire commitment. So like there's, I mean, there's English everywhere, you know, as far as a language barrier, I I wouldn't, I mean, if if you'd like to start, you know, if you feel this call and you'd like to start learning Arabic, I would say learn now, you know, say your prayers and learn now. It is the most beautiful language. It is so complex. It's like rewiring your brain, but it is a stunning, like a beautiful language, but you can survive over there without being fluent. Uh, depending on depending on where you go or if if you're going to take Russian or Mandarin or that's you know these are Russians less complicated um, but these are more of the challenging languages mm-hmm. so I, I wouldn't let the language barrier intimidate you I would just kind of ask around in your community of like anybody with lessons what I have found with a lot of my Muslim friends is they are so stunned when an American is hospitable to them mm-hmm. or they they want you know to to have a relationship or reach out or like learn the food or learn the language that, I mean, most of the time they'll do things for free like that's because it's when you study Islam, that's what they do. They're very, they're very hospitable people. And it's very important to them to mm-hmm. be hospitable because mm-hmm. Abraham um, showed that hospitality. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would reach out if, if language was a, a huge concern, I would reach out and kind of start opening up with that. Um, obviously prayer and fasting, uh, we we fast. We we choose a lot of fast days with different things. Um, our team fasts during Ramadan every year, and uh, with with the Muslim people, we fast uh, something of our own, and we're fasting for the Muslim people that God would bring greater revelation to them, and um, and that God would open up friendships and opportunities with us. Um, read the book, The Insanity of God. Oh my word! Please read that book. It is an amazing resource and just start making friends. I mean, maybe a simple Google search, like before I got on the plane, that would have been awesome. <laughs> you know, um, know the difference between, but between um, Allah and Muhammad, <laughs> that, that'll be, that'll be greatly beneficial, but a lot of other things in preparation. And this kind of goes into another question that you sent Jessica, but I'll, I'll just kind of uh, mm-hmm. transition if you want to. Yeah. Um, social media is a big, big part. Uh, if you're addicted to posting like everywhere that you are or everything that you do, you know, it might, it might be time to maybe put some um, boundaries in place of that mm. or maybe go on a social media fast um, in general, because when you're doing underground work for the Lord, the Lord's name is the only one that matters. Your name is not going to matter. Mm. And if you want your name to matter, you know, you're, you're going to have an early death. Mm. I hate to hate to be that raw, no. but it's, it's just, it's one of those things where discretion about everything, um, discretion and balance, it'll start seeping into every part of your life and it'll start exposing motives, especially of like why you're posting or what you're posting. Because if your affirmation is coming from other people on an app that you can't see, it's going to be very hard to go into these parts of the world where you're not going to have any affirmation except from God. Hmm. So that would be something that I would I would recommend um, of starting to detox your mind early from that affirmation addiction of social media. Um, that's something that we all give up uh, willingly 
Um, we have we have social media accounts. They're very generic, um, and we can post things that we like. I mean, we're not totally robbed of our expression, but as as far as who we want to reach, um, without even it being a safety risk, you know, we're not overly political on social media because every time you're political on social media, you isolate fifty percent of a population mm-hmm. every single time. And we don't want to isolate anyone. And, and and that's not in the at the price of being, you know, all inclusive or compromising, quote, quote, so to speak. Um, but that is that's just at the view of we literally want everyone to go to heaven. Mm. We want every single person to go to heaven. And if God wants us to be the one to have a conversation with someone, we don't want to exclude ourselves from the beginning. We don't want to we don't want to cancel ourselves out from the beginning in their mind. We just don't want to do that. So um, so I would start with with a deep dive into into social media and really questioning, like, why am I posting this? You know, Mm -hmm. is it what's what's the motive for why am I posting this? If it's something to make me look more spiritual, you know, doesn't God already know my heart toward him? Isn't mm. isn't that enough? I would I'd really start putting some hard filters on that and um and really looking at, at the motive of, of why you feel to go. Is it is it for the people or is it for your ego mm. or is it for what you could tell people that you've done? Um and I, I would really start uh, digging some of that out in prayer. Huh. Yeah, I think those are good things, even if we're not feeling at the moment a call into the same kind of work. Those are just good things for all of us to be constantly examining in ourselves yeah Hmm. yeah i like that it's 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 a hard the social media thing was super hard um because it's it's exactly countercultural of everything that we see or we hear today Hmm. you know if if you want to be successful you have to build your brand Hmm. well this isn't our brand you know this is this is the kingdom of god and and it's prohibited in some of these nations you know so how do you how, how do you do that and where does your affirmation come from? Yeah. Um, so that, that's been a huge, a huge thing. Yeah, there's just, there's such a need. And the thing about it that I keep thinking as we're talking is, you know, the, this list of access challenge nations that you have right now, who knows how that's going to change in the future. Right. You know, I'm not, I'm not a doomsday person. I don't, I don't just look <laughs> for, you know, <laughs> the book of Revelation right. playing out before me all the time. But at the same time, I think we have to be aware that, the freedoms and the, and the, for lack of a better word, I know it's a triggering word for people, but the privilege that we enjoy mm-hmm. in the United States right now as Christians is not guaranteed to us. Um, and it's actually vastly different than the majority of the history of the church. We haven't enjoyed Absolutely. this kind of yeah, influence and power that we've had in the United States. So, all of these things, I think, are good for us to just prepare our own hearts for whatever could come next um, right. in our lifetimes or our children's lifetimes. Um, yeah, they're good, good heart checks and motive checks to be to be placing on ourselves. Right. What have you learned? And this can be about yourself, about the church, about God, all of the above um, on the field that you didn't learn or might not have learned here in North America. Mm. This is another one of those that I'm just like, how much time do we have? <laughs> I've learned primarily that it's different when it costs you something. Mm. It's It feels different when it costs you something. I will never forget. I did a longer stint overseas in the Middle East. And I 
this one this one was tougher on the mind. We went into some nations that had been war torn. I would venture to say this nation was about as accessible as Antarctica, mm. <laughs> you know, in, in some people's minds, super war torn. And it was it was a mess. It was it, it really, really did some heart surgery on me and and shifted everything that I thought that I knew, you know, about God and, and about the world. Mm. And I, I'll never forget um, coming back in. It was an extended time, and we went in and out of some places. And we, at this particular region, we had to be so careful. I don't think that I, I brought my Bible on that trip, mm. even because I didn't know. I didn't, we we just didn't know what we were going to run into. And I remember when I came back to North America after that four week stint, and I walked into a church service. Um, someone from behind me yelled out the name of Jesus. And I, I don't mean to abuse this word triggered or, or anything like that. Um, but it, it shook me for a second because for a second, I, I had to come back mentally into America and realize it's okay. He can yell that here. Mm. He can praise God loudly here. Mm. And it, it put a little fear inside of me. And then it immediately, like I just lifted up my hands and and I was able to say the name Jesus and tears just rolled down my face because I had an opportunity. If I wanted to yell it, I could yell it. Mm. If I wanted to just stand there and wave my hands for 10 minutes, like, and not wonder if you know, the police were going to bust through the door or, you know, if we were being recorded or if our phones were being bugged, you know, like I could do that if I mm. wanted to. And it has totally changed my worship and my value of gathering together Mm. every time that we can the shutdown Mm. felt to me like an extended mission trip a little bit (laughs) because we couldn't gather you know and Mm. we were we were really it was a slow um a a slow pace slower pace of life and we we couldn't all be together and i i felt so close so much more close to some of my friends overseas because i felt I felt like I was back with them of of that that pressing, and there were some churches that really thrived during that time because whenever they did get back together, they they got back with an aggression, mm. and they they got back with, or they went back to the building with with more of a unity and an, and an aggression. Um, and I would see things on social media that people would say like, as soon as we can get back, man, we're going to worship harder than we've ever worshipped. And we're, you know, but now that it's in abundance again, and we have that freedom again, some of us to to gather back in freely, we start to kind of see that passion dissipate or mm. or disintegrate a little bit because everything everything is different when it costs you something, and then and when you're invested in it. And you've totally given your life to it. There's a lot of people that feel that they've given their life to Christianity in America, but they really haven't because you don't know that you've given your life to something unless it's at stake. Mm. Unless everything, your whole identity is is at stake. And these people, if they're, some of these, my friends overseas, if they're caught going to a church or caught being affiliated with these people, they'll lose their jobs. They might even lose their heads. They'll Mm. lose their families. And it costs them something. And so that's that's the biggest thing that I've learned um, that that I didn't learn in North America. And that's not to shame North America. It, 
North America doesn't know what it doesn't know, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how can we penalize North America for not knowing what they just don't know? Mm-hmm. But that is, that's one thing that I've definitely learned. Um, and I've also learned that uh, you appreciate air conditioning a whole <laughs> lot more <laughs> in North America whenever you're sitting there comfortably, you know, somewhere instead of um, sweating under like, you know, 50 layers of, of what seems like endless fabric. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can only imagine that. Yeah. Holy my. Well, unfortunately, like this is going so fast. <laughs> Do you have anything else that you want to share with us about this work that I haven't asked you or we haven't covered yet that you feel like is important for people to know? Yes. Yes. Just one more thing. I feel so strong and I, I can't, I can't make anyone do this, but if I can encourage anyone so like strongly encourage anyone to give themselves a gift, it would be to go out and to make a friend and smile at a Muslim person. Mm. They're in your neighborhoods. They're they're at your grocery stores. They're in your schools. They're in your colleges. Some of them are in your doctor's offices. I just strongly encourage you to to open up your heart and make space and make room in your heart for people that don't look like you, that don't talk like you, that don't vote like you, that don't dress like you, and make a space in your heart to learn something from them because. You're never going to look into the eyes of somebody that God didn't create and that God doesn't love. Oof. You're just you're just not going to. You're not going to find them. And so I just would encourage everybody to do that and watch your life exponentially grow and be more fulfilled. That is some that is some powerful advice. I love that a lot. All right. Well, we have come to the final question of the show, and I'm bummed that we're here because I want to talk to you for like four <laughs> more hours. Um, me too can we do this again is yes. that bad can no, i invite myself again yes you can absolutely absolutely all right so but for right now the final question of the show is always the same we call ourselves good question we like to ask everyone at the end of every interview what is a good question that you're asking yourself lately good question okay this is i've got a couple of these because <laughs> i love this question um my first is a newly married, newly wed wife in the first question. And someone listening has already finished this question before I even have uh, have asked it. What's for dinner? What's <laughs> for dinner? What are we going to be making for dinner? Because that is like, that was probably the thing that hit me upside the head mm. so hard when I got married of like, what is for dinner? And like, yes. I can survive on Ritz crackers. You know what I'm saying? But like, <laughs> this man cannot do that. Like, I can survive on granola bars. This man cannot do that. He cannot do that. So, I'm in the kitchen a lot. So, the first question is, what's for dinner? I think the second question is, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And I'm doing this on purpose because I've, uh, I think in 2020, I started really um, grilling, not grilling, excuse me, <laughs> that sounds good, drilling <laughs> down um, on the why of why I'm doing what I'm doing, for what cause, for what purpose, for what motivation. 
is this self-serving? Is this for God's glory alone? Is why why do I do what I do? Mm. And it's been very enlightening of just finding out some motivational stuff of like why what what motivates me to do these things? Is it a need for affirmation? Is it because of the greater good of people in general? You know, mm. is it is it a kingdom purpose? What is it? And so so I'm really asking myself why. Not in a vindictive way, but but why why are we doing this right now? And then sometimes, you know, it's if it is, if I'm like, I think this is because I have a need for affirmation right now, then I'm I'm starting to discipline myself out of that and say, we don't need to do that. We need to do something else. Mm. So that's the question of why um, is is doing that. Why and what's for dinner? So. Hey, you know what? Those the what's for dinner question. I have to tell you, it never goes away. Yeah, <laughs> it comes around every single day. And <laughs> my right. solution for this problem is that my husband loves to cook. And so now uh-huh. he gets to answer the question once for dinner and I don't have to do it most of the time. So that's always a blessing. Um, <laughs> but yes, I'm going to try our, and adopt that. There you go. There you go. Asking ourselves why. I love the idea of just looking at ourselves with curiosity and not with like condemnation or, you know, criticism of ourselves, but just some curiosity. like. Why am I doing this? Yeah, just a quick heart check. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It has been so much fun to talk to you. We absolutely have to do this again. Yeah, I don't want to wrap up, but I guess I guess we better. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for sharing your heart. Yeah. And I have loved it. I've loved every second of it. It was it was a joy. And I mean that. And we have to do it again. I apologize for inviting myself, but I'm not that sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we are excited to have you back. So we will figure it out. We will work it out. Okay. 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 You heard her. She's coming back to chat with us again sometime. And I, for one, cannot wait for that to happen. After we stopped recording, she and I chatted for a few minutes more. And when it was time to let her go, I just really hated pressing that end call button. So much amazing wisdom and experience. So many new cultural traditions to learn about. I mean, noodles and mashed potatoes, who knew, right? But all jokes aside, I know I will be thinking for a long time. I know I will be thinking for a long time about how God moved on her heart when she saw a need in the kingdom to ask, what is my responsibility? I know I can do more. How would life change if we all prayed that prayer today? How would we behave differently? in person and online, if we truly evaluated our own motives to see if the name of Jesus is the one who matters to us. We will have all the resources she mentioned for you in the show notes. And this is one where I am dying to hear your thoughts. Be on the lookout this week on social media for some polls and questions in our stories, because there is just so much to absorb from this episode. We're on Instagram at Good Question Show. I'm at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T as in Tuesday, A-N-D-E-R-U-P. You can also find us on Facebook by searching Good Question with Jessica Tanderup Podcast. Our email address is goodquestionshow at gmail.com. You can also follow Tanderups for Denmark on Instagram, Tanderups with an S, the number four Denmark, and our Facebook page of the same name for updates on our AIM journey. This podcast is a production of Good Question Media and is produced and hosted by me, Jessica Tanderup, my co-producer, editor, and the man who cooks 99% of our meals, but never yet mashed potatoes and noodles, is my husband, Dave Tanderup. Our audio engineer is Josh Powalczyk. That's it for this week. We'll be back here next Tuesday with another good question. See y'all then.